Welcome back to the Sunday League podcast and it's time for our Premier League review. A feisty end to the weekend with the officials finally getting their own back on lippy players. Roy bringing the attacking flair that might one day see him land a big job. VAR causing chaos at the lane. The Premier League continues to deliver the stories so the bang average footballers will continue to give their bang average opinion on it. Today's podcast sees us return to the classics. After a one podcast hiatus, welcome back Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks both. Uh, yeah, uh, nice, nice couple of days away with the family. It was uh, my daughter's birthday, so uh, uh, very thankful for Luke stepping in to uh, be the guest podcaster. But I'm glad to be back. Thanks. Good. It's nice to have you back. New week, new beer. No, same old Dan. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. I was obviously a bit fragile yesterday, so I was going to give it a miss tonight. To be honest, but. Uh, you guys have persuaded me with uh, another can of Carlin. <laughs> and our consistently bang average footballer. How's it going, Adam? Yeah, yeah brilliant. Love my uh, four days off, four day break. Some nice weather, hot from today. Just kind of put a dampener on it, but then it brightens up, then it showers. So you don't actually know what's going to happen today. <laughs> and which new beer are you bringing to the table this week? I'm back on the lilies. This time it's a uh, cherries and berries. Uh, I got it from a festival pack that someone kindly gifted to me. Ooh, very nice, very nice. Well, as I'm struggling on the beer count this week, so I'm back on the rum. Uh, Going to cool. have my uh, vanilla rum and coke. So, uh, yeah, when when the words start to come a bit blurry later on, you'll know why. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That favourite do you boys. Let's crack on with the football then. Let's start where the Premier League weekend finished at Anfield. Dan, there was nine yellow cards in the game, numerous scuffles, a missed penalty, a people's elbow by the linesman. But the end, in the end, was this one point gained for Arsenal or two points dropped? Any team that goes 2-0 up, I think uh, you've got to say is uh, it's a, more two points dropped, I think. Uh, my obviously uh, my prediction at the start of the weekend was I thought uh, Arsenal would win this, and then uh, seeing them go two 0 up, I thought this is uh, uh, this is straight to the point. Really, it's uh, a straightforward Arsenal win. They looked in control of the game. I thought then, uh, yeah, out of nowhere, Mo Salah gets uh, what? Well, a goal just before half time, and probably is uh, probably changes uh, Jurgen Klopp's. Team, uh, team talk at half time a bit more than what he was predicting to say. So, I think, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a game of both tactical from uh, Arteta and Klopp, and I think in the end, Klopp got it right. To be honest, I've got uh, obviously with me being away last week, I have put a stat in there for you guys. <laughs> Here we go. The key change I thought was uh, him bringing on Thiago in the 60th minute. When they were already controlling the game, but obviously a, a passing masterclass of himself. And in the 30 minutes that he was on the pitch, he got 34 touches more than anyone else during the 30 minutes that he was on the pitch. And that was the highest passing accuracy of 88.5%. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that's my stat for the. I said that's an influential change, I think. We've saved the relevant and pointless for our other podcast, but it's a great stat nonetheless. It's a great stat. <laughs> what do you reckon, Adam? What do you reckon to the game? I think I think there was a lot going on, wasn't there? There was lots to keep up with. Liverpool could, Liverpool could have won. Mo Salah missed that penalty by, what, three inches? 
Um, but they were probably yeah. happy with a point, you know, a late, a late equaliser. What do you reckon? Yeah, um, like Dan said, if you if you go two 0 up, especially at Anfield, you, you you need to hold on to that. And Arsenal just just couldn't do it. Salah's like exactly like Dan said, Salah's goal just before half time really did give Liverpool that a fighting chance. Um, it it was all I'd say it was Liverpool's second half. They were fantastic, even the uh, chance that Ramsdale had. Uh, sorry. Um, I can't remember who the defender was, but Ramsdale made the save in in the last minute to to stop the ball going. I think it's uh, Canute. I think yeah, was it Canate? I was going to say I think it was Canate. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the ball came across and Ramsdale made a great save, and that could have easily been a a three two result for Liverpool, and um, it it could have really put a scare into Arsenal's team bus going home, thinking, oh no, we need to we, we don't want to bottle this. Yeah. Do you not think uh, Arteta starts changing it too late, only making his first sub in the 80th minute? When under pressure, you need to change that sooner than that 80th minute, I believe. Yeah, yeah but then... Go on, Scott. They, they seem to come out, didn't they, in the second half, Arsenal? Very very happy with a 2-1 lead and almost trying to see it out, didn't they? And That's a dangerous way to play at Anfield. That's a dangerous to invite, invite Liverpool on attacking at the cop end. To say, you know, we're going to try and see this game out. I mean, he's got a front line. I think yesterday it was Martinelli, wasn't it? Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, Odegaard. It's hard to take those players off because he knows if they get them on the break, those guys are lethal. But they weren't in the game. They weren't in the game in the second half. It was was all Liverpool. It was was a matter of time. And I'll be honest, boys, with you. um, I I had a, a bet with our our unofficial betting partners yesterday um, that would have won me £400 at halftime. They'd, they'd offered me a £90 cash out and uh, all I needed was the draw and obviously Liverpool were losing 2-1. And there's two rules to live by, isn't there? Never bet on the early kickoff and never take the cash out. So what did I do? I cashed out and didn't take my £400. So, you know, <laughs> you have to live by the rules. Live by the rules and die by the rules. Silly, for, silly, um, Scott. Yeah, fantastic game. What did you make of the people's elbow, Dan? What did you make of this linesman? What do you reckon? I I think we're making a bigger deal of it than what it actually is. I think he's just kind of gone to push him away when he's obviously been approached by the uh, player, well, Andy Robinson, uh, Robertson, isn't it? So uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're making a big deal out of. Well, it's it's unfortunate for the liner because yeah, it's being made more than what it is. I think. Uh, yeah, but he, yeah. he is stacked though, that line though. He's stacked. <laughs> Poor Andy Robertson having the second elbow from him. <laughs> it makes that Man City Arsenal game massive, doesn't it, Adam? Yeah, it does. It was already it was already going to be massive. Um, but this this has made it ten times bigger now. Um I, the part of me still think Arsenal are gonna do it, but then going going back to uh, the discussions earlier is I I never see that Arsenal have the players on the bench that will see a game out. So even if they're two 0 up, their their defense is quite attackive. So they can't bring someone on like I don't know, and then go Lo Kante that can break up the play. I don't really see who they've got that can do that. It's either youth or they've got attacking fast paced wingers on the bench. Well, they signed that Jorginho, didn't they? But I don't I don't know what's happened to him. I, I'd have thought a game like that yesterday would have been made for him. I don't think he was on the pitch, was he? No, no, I don't. I didn't see him. Uh, uh, um, do Arsenal hold on, Dan? Do they, do they still win this league? No, I looked at the table today and it's in Man City's hands now, isn't it? 
obviously uh, they're six points behind with the game in hand and then obviously still Arsenal to play. Yeah. So obviously I'll I'll come on to the point of Man City further on in the uh, podcast. But well, Dan's trying to move us on, so that's that's what we'll do. Um, the Sunday Snorefest definitely wasn't this week. Leeds once again failed to win on a Sunday, Harris. And in two games under Roy Hodgson, Palace have had 47 shots. What's going on, Adam? Yeah, yes, Scott, you're exactly right. Um, obviously, I predicted that there were going to be goals in this game, but I didn't expect this to be so one-sided. Um, Le- Leeds just crumbled, absolutely fell apart. Palace, uh, since Roy has gone in there, is is one, two, and scored scored seven. Uh, this is from a team that hasn't scored since New Year's, since he's gone in. Um, it looks like he's turning their fortunes around, and it's always at the right time as well that he's coming in and doing it. Leeds, Leeds just looked—they uh, looked knackered. They looked like they played on a on a Wednesday and then on a uh, Saturday, uh, on a Sunday. Um, but they hadn't—I don't think they had. They, had they played midweek? Um, yes, they had. They had played midweek. Uh, they played. How did they play midweek? That's going to be. No, they were at Forest, weren't they? Or oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. So whether whether Forest gave them a a hard time, I'm I'm not too sure, but Leeds just did not seem up for that at all. One one at half time. Palace, I don't know what Roy must have said to him at half time, but it really took a, a rocket somewhere. Um so yeah, good it was it was a good win. I I, I predicted the three two uh, yeah five one incredible result. Uh uh England could do with a manager that could change things at half time like Roy Roy Ochenay, Dan. Yeah, well, like like Adam said, I'd love to know what he said at half time because, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of teams in the bottom half that need that. Uh, uh, as you say, Harrison, <laughs> at up somewhere. So uh, <laughs> yeah, every obviously they had the problem before, and I don't know what's happened since. But yeah, they were struggling for even shots on target with uh, Patrick Vieira, and now obviously scoring goals for fun, as it seems. But yeah. Maybe he's just took a pre- uh, took a bit of pressure off the young lads that obviously are talented. You've got the what as a at least say Anzaha all f- full of talent, but just weren't performing before. Maybe he's, yeah, he's just took a bit of pressure off him. Probably a bit more of a old heads uh, uh, advice in there as manager. And yeah, they're playing well at the moment, aren't they? Is that is that them safety reckon Dan? That's two big wins, isn't it, against sides below them? I suppose. Do you, do you reckon that's Palace safe now? Are they out of trouble, or do they still probably need another three or four points? I, I think comfortable to make it comfortable, you'd probably want another two wins quite yeah. soon. But yeah, I see that they've got enough about them now. To be honest, yeah, but but they've they've done what they needed to do. They need to get in. They need to start getting points. And they've got yeah, six correct. Points on. From two, uh, the owners made the appointment at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Mo- most definitely. Saturday evening saw an acrobatic show from Erling Haaland as they proved Thursday's guest podcast right in summing up that Southampton had absolutely no chance. Dan, how good were Man City? Well, listening to the podcast in the week with uh, Luke, I obviously, uh, yeah, I heard it was mentioned. My love for the uh, semi finalists. <laughs> so uh, yeah, how these how these are in the bottom three? Uh, I do not know, but yeah, I was watching this game and I can't yeah I can't find too many positives out of this one, unfortunately. 
And how they got to the semi-final, I do not know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Man City just, they looked class, to be honest. Uh, I've, I've said before that when uh, Erling Haaland plays, I think Man City play well, like play well, but they had, they changed their style of play to suit Haaland. So, but uh, no, all in all, I think Jack Grealish has stepped it up another level. He just, at the start of the season, I was like questioning whether he'd even be there come the end of the season because I just thought he was on the outskirts of it but seems to have got a bit of a relationship with Erling Haaland now and yeah those two are unstoppable aren't they together and then you kind of even forget about Kevin De Bruyne and yeah. the man's a genius Absolutely. Harris do Man City drop any points before the end of the season? No not, not if they're playing the way they're playing um, obviously Super Jack's doing really well Haaland's doing really well gets dragged off again just before he can get a hat-trick and then uh, the person that replaces him comes on and scores as well, Alvarez. So uh, their, their team is incredibly strong. And it, it does it does make you think that this title race is going to be very tight. And it, uh, it could come down to goal difference, I think. Um, and the way Man City are scoring the goals, it's as if they're saying, we agree, it's going to go to goal difference. So we're going to score as many goals as we can and hope that we can get over that finish line before Arsenal. Um, just a point on on Southampton. I, I really didn't expect them to score. Um, I think it was Mara that scored for Southampton. Yeah. Lovely finish, yes. just on the edge of that, just briefly on the edge of the box, maybe just inside. Good finish. And at that point, I don't want to say it looked like Southampton could have just turned the game around. Bearing in mind it was three one at the time, but they ran and got the ball back as if to say, yeah, we can we can take this to Man City, only to concede the penalty three minutes later. So. Yeah, that's football. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think them playing before? Sorry, do you think them playing before Arsenal affected them? Uh, Who Arsenal? Yeah, added a bit of extra pressure with them. Uh, obviously, getting with closer to them, I suppose. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you'd say if you watched the first twenty minutes of Arsenal yesterday, you'd say absolutely not. You know, they they came out and absolutely took it to took it to Liverpool, and they. Could have had the game wrapped up. But you look at the final score, 2-2, two, two, and you go, oh, you know, maybe they were under a bit of pressure um, from that Man City score. So it's interesting, isn't it? It's dictated, the narrative's dictated, isn't it, by that final result of the Arsenal game yesterday. If Arsenal had held on for a 2-1 win, you know, nothing's made of Man City playing first. But because, yeah. because it ended in a draw, and I think it's I think it's been two weeks in a row, I think, that Man City have played before Arsenal, or, or, or two and three, maybe. Um, so they are do seem to have that that chance to put the pressure on first, but I'm sure it, it'll swing back around later in the season. Um, yeah. One for you, Dan. Interestingly, so Man City played Bayern Munich in the week, um, and obviously Pep's got this uh, Champions League hoodoo. Um, Arsenal aren't in Europe anymore, so they can fully focus on the Premier League. What they've got seven or eight cup finals essentially left. Does the distraction of the Champions League for Man City? affect them in the Premier League? For me, no. I just think actually it's more worrying for the teams that they're playing against because if you look at like the game at the weekend, I think he's obviously going about it to get the job done even sooner than the 90 minutes. He's took Haaland off, what, at six, 60, 70 minutes? Obviously, probably with the Bayern Munich game in hand. So, But, well, obviously... If, 
if the teams hold out a bit longer than 60, 70 minutes, then you've got to change the game plan. But I'm worried for teams that are playing them at the moment that you could be three or four down at half time just so they can start to free up their so-called better players. Boys, the weekend kicked off with a routine win for Man United, but it did see Marcus Rashford limp off as Man United continued their excellent form against Everton. Adam, how important is this Rashford injury? Um, very important. No, no goals for Rashford this weekend. Um, and I think that was a groin injury. So he could be out for a couple of weeks with that. Uh, but then again, his broken toe healed quite quickly. So he, he, he might be all right. But it, it will be it will be a big loss for Manu because that's that is where their goals have been coming from, apart from um Scott McTominay. Um down, you know, it was a, a great bit of football between uh, for, for Man United to get him in the box and it was a it was a good finish, first time finish. So it, it it is a loss for Man United losing Rashford, but I don't think it's gonna be the end of the world. With Spurs it the way Spurs are playing as well. I really don't. I don't think Man U are going to drop out Champions League places this year with or without Rashford. Yeah, it's probably. I imagine top four is pretty much secure, Dan, and they'll have a one eye on the Europa League. Maybe is that where this Rashford injury maybe affects them a bit more? Yes. Uh, yeah. To say, uh, yeah, I agree. The Manchester United are probably thinking the top four should be secure. Enough. I think that that uh, Rashford injury could be a bit more of an issue than you first think. There's, there's not a lot of goals, is there? So you just worry that are they going to try and rush him back too soon, which then could lead to potentially injury further down the line. Of, but uh, yeah, uh, I think you nearly caught uh, called it right in the midweek podcast, didn't you, Scott? Oh and, yeah. Uh, Nil nil at half time, just obviously just out because yeah, Scott McTominay scored, but you said the two nil. Thought it was yeah. a routine win, to be honest. Yeah. I think I think it was Ellis Sims that had a chance maybe at one nil for Everton. Uh, I think it was one nil at the time, or, or maybe it was still nil nil even. But other than that, Everton didn't really offer a lot, did they? No, they didn't. Well, you look at the stats afterwards and it was sixty-four percent possession to United and all in all, it was 11 shots on target, target to Manchester United and then uh, one to Everton. How can you expect to win a game with only one shot on target? Yeah, It's probably why they're down there, really. I thought uh, also it was mentioned uh, in the week as well that, yeah, the Daesh effect, I thought, was going to go better than it actually has. They're still well in this relegation scrap, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, could, it could have easily been 3 or 4 nil to Man U in that first half and Going back to that Ellis Sims chance, he, he I, I think he rushed it. I think he uh, got in the box, wanted the goal. Could have easily played that across. I think Damari Gray was just on the edge of the box. Could have played it across to him. But when you're when you're a striker, you, you want to score a goal. So I understand why he didn't look across to Gray. As you know, uh, our lethal goal scorer, Adam. Yeah, so you've got that. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, um, in a huge six-pointer on Saturday afternoon, only one team seemingly turned up. And it's now looking increasingly likely that Leicester will become the first Premier League champions this century to be relegated. Dan, before we get to the game, we've got some breaking news on the podcast. 
Dean Smith's just been appointed the Leicester City manager. With Craig Shakespeare and John Terry as assistant managers. Now, Leicester, and we'll talk about their game. We'll talk about the game in a second. Leicester are atrocious on Saturday. Um, our bang average pub side would be better. It's not a joke, Adam. It's not a joke. Dan, does Dean Smith help in any kind of way from what we saw on Saturday afternoon? Uh, the only positive can take from that appointment is you're probably looking at, I know it's not a favourable one, but he's a backroom staff of Craig Shakespeare. He has some knowledge of the club, doesn't he, in the past? Mm. So can you take that? He didn't, he obviously, he didn't end on great terms, but he managed us in the Champions League. So yeah, he's got a, Dean Smith. I don't know too much about the ch chap. I know he, well, he's obviously not in a job, so he's not that well look, looked upon, I don't think. But yeah, Leicester need to change something. Uh, unfortunately, I was at the game on Saturday and, yeah, this is a, a team that's a lost cause, to be honest, at the moment. That was a different side to what played in, albeit we lost against Villa, but there was a fight in that game. This uh, Bournemouth game, there was no fight at all. We shouldn't mm. have turned up. Adam, does a man that was sat by Norwich on Boxing Day help Leicester stay in the Premier League? No, we're down. We're yeah. definitely down. <laughs> Even the fact that you're getting Snake Spear in as assistant... <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this appointment at all. I, I will not be going any more Leicester games the rest of this season. Oh, it's you, a bit like Arsenal fan that. TV now. <laughs> I, I, I am not that. I'm, I'm having to look this up now just to see if it's right, and it, I can see it. It's all. It's not that, April the first. How is he <laughs> any better than Brendan Rodgers? I don't. I'd, at this point, I'd rather you just kept Rodgers in at this point. It's a panic appointment. They offered the job to Marsh. He rejected it. We've had to go and just get us. They're saying that we disagreed. No, he didn't want to be at our club. He but couldn't handle Norwich in the championship. Oh, dear. It's a, it's a strange appointment, isn't it? It's just a, it, they've sacked a manager. Firstly, they've sacked Brendan Rodgers too late. Like we've just had an international yes. period. Sack him then and get a manager in and give him some time to work with the squad. That's already a bizarre thing. To then sack him in mid-relegation fight and have no plan on who you're bringing in, mistake number two. And mistake number three, I cannot believe that... I'll only have to watch it on the telly because I'm over here, but you boys have got to go watch John Terry's suit up um, to uh, help Dean Smith manage Leicester City in the Premier League. The, the whole thing... Like you said, Adam, doesn't feel real. Um, quickly, Dan, let's just talk about the game. Um, I know you said from a Leicester point of view, it was incredibly disappointing. Um, like you said, I don't think Leicester rocked up. They looked like 11 players that had just met each other for the first time. But a great result for Bournemouth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mentioned in one of the very early podcasts that, yeah, I, I, I rate Gary O'Neill and I rate Bournemouth. Not necessarily as one of the better teams in the league, but they've got fight about them. They know how to try and grind out results, and that's what they did at the King Power on Saturday. So, yeah, that, yeah, we just, Leicester just didn't look at it at all. I don't know what they expected to do, because straight from the off, there was no intensity. We were passing it around at the back too slow. You're like passing it between two... Uh, why is he not put Suter on the pitch? You've got Dan Armati 
Uh, at the back. And, yeah, it's just some of them, it just stinks of Brendan Rodgers still at the club somewhere. Have we yeah. sacked him and just hid him in the background? Because <laughs> that, team, that, that team is awful and nothing has changed since that sacking. No. Maybe we should have got rid of Sadler as well and gave it to Stowell and just let him. Stowell's done it before and you're going yeah. back to the roots of Leicester City. Uh, to be honest, before obviously the breaking news came out, I was off wanting Martin O'Neill to come back in just till the end of the season because we have no clue. The, the whole club has no clue at the moment. So go back to the roots of someone that loves Leicester City, get him in to try and solve the mess that's there for the rest of the season and then get someone in that actually wants to come and manage because that, hey, Top's, Top's done a great job for that club, but he's failed this season miserably. David Moore's got a huge three points to keep himself in the job for another week as Fulham increasingly look like they are the first team to have gone to the beach. Adam, how important could this win be for West Ham? Massive, massive win for West Ham. They, they've gone to follow with Serge Enders to win the local derby and to get the three points. Uh, great ones, really. Uh, I predicted win at the cottage and they delivered. When when the education battle they needed to fight every single point, and they, they definitely did their uh, Craven Cottage. It'll be a cheeky meal, but one nil sure three points. Yeah, it was it was a hard fought win, Dan, but a win to win. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a classic game. I think it was an own goal goal that West Ham were credited. So uh yeah, I think like like uh, you mentioned as well, I think some of uh, down tools, uh, as we say. So, yeah, I think they're on 30 points already. See, the, I'm thinking we got enough to have uh, to be safe. And uh, yeah, with the suspensions that they've got, they've, it's it's a rel- relatively small squad. So, yeah, I, I think they're, they're done for the season. Anyone? down the ball probably be very happy to play in Fulham squad but West Ham have also got other uh, uh, ideas still to be looking for the rest of the season they've got their uh, open front game week so yeah, there's, if they stay up and they win that somehow it's not all in all it's not actually a bad season I know it's yeah, I'll take but, it yeah like <laughs> Europe what Europa League next year and Premier League football, they're still in great season, but good season, I'd take it. Uh, uh, all right. Steve Cooper's job screw took another hit as far as dismal away form continued. Villa continued their impressive form, however. Dan, how high can Villa finish? Well, before, before you mentioned that, I didn't realise how they were actually playing. See, we week out the win games, but we look into their what well, what Emery's form has been. What winning eleven of seventeen games is pretty incredible. Four wins on the bounce, and uh, yeah, what only three was in the last. Week. So then, obviously, against a Forest team that's away from home. So, uh, yeah, as soon as you, uh, they'd scored the first off. Uh, game over really they're not conceding many goals yeah I like uh, the the striker uh, uh, 
fucking Ollie well he sets a good uh, tempo for the whole team I think he chases down from the front and then yeah I, th- I think you know Emery's doing a great job to be honest yeah I mean I, I, I one I believe I wrote Aston Villa off kind of didn't really see them doing as well as what they have been doing um, they're currently sat six, six points from Spurs in fifth, so they're, they're, they're trying to push on. The only thing that's really going to go against them is Liverpool have a game in hand on them. Brighton have got two games in hand on them. Um, I suppose it depends on whether Arsenal win the league or not, but he, he could be in with a shout for manager of the year, couldn't he? Like Dan? Oh, uh, <laughs> I think you're looking far too down the table. I, I get what you're saying. I just think you're looking for manager of the year and I think you've got to... Yeah, Arte, I, I believe Arteta's done a great job, even if they don't win the league. I think it's a bit on that... Uh, obviously, I can only uh, compare it to what Les City was, but those years that we just missed out on the Champions League, it was still a great season. Obviously, you're putting into context your aim for the season changes when Arsenal are in the position that they are in. But any Arsenal fan you'd have told at the start of the season that with what, uh, I'm looking at it now, 10 games, games to go and yeah. you're, you're the team that are going to push Man City to the to the wire. Yeah, Arteta's Arteta for me, manager of the year. Ivan Tony's first penalty miss. Coincidence? Newcastle won a great game as both teams looked impressive. How important a win could this be for Newcastle, Adam? It was a good battle between two sides, which I expected. Newcastle kept keep going from uh, strength to strength at the minute. I can't really see them dropping out in top four. Um, I think this is the second time I've said this today about someone dropping out of top four. They've got they've got um, Tottenham in two weeks' time, and then they've got Chelsea. Uh, so Arsenal and Chelsea last game of the season. So oh. other than that, the, the teams that they have left to play, you could put in quotes. They are the lesser teams. So if they if they can just win every single game but lose to Spurs, Arsenal and Chelsea, they are they, they will be in there because that's only going to be nine points dropped. I mean, I, I know one of them is against uh, Tottenham, but it still won't be enough. enough. I, I don't see Newcastle losing. I think now they've also got the other option. Uh, I think they relied on just uh, Callum Wilson so much... Uh, beforehand but now they've got that uh, Isaac up top as well that chips in with the goal I think it's just a great uh, option to have as well and I think he even uh, swapped it to two up top at the weekend and that's quite a force when you look at it uh, Callum Wilson you can't do that can you you can't put two people up front can you (laughs) (laughs) well Dean Smith says different I imagine (laughs) (laughs) there's some bitterness tonight there's some bitterness Oh, <laughs> moving on. VAR controversy. Managers sent off. Son's 100th Premier League goal. There was plenty of action at Spurs on Saturday, including a, an apology, I think. Um, I thought Brighton looked the better team, but Spurs took the three points. How, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was uh, watching the game. and Yeah, like you, like you just mentioned, I think it could have been 2-3-0 up no before uh, Son got his goal. So, uh yeah, I just looking back at him, I think the Matoma first one where he's got the handball, I think that's the right decision. I think then the McAllister one, I think that's 
relatively harsh. It, he's not even looking at where the ball is. To say that he has influenced where that ball is going on purpose is a very harsh one. But no, then, yeah. Uh, the, what is it? The third one where Matoma's been fouled. And I, I just don't know what we're looking at. He's gone to look at it and still not giving it. It just, just bamboozles me. Uh, is that is that a new word for the pod? Is clearly, it? <laughs> clearly, he's been in touch with Ivan Tony, and uh, probably had to talk to him. But other than that, I've, uh, taking nothing away from uh, Son, I think he's a fabulous player, and it, it was typical uh, Tottenham again, wasn't it? The Kane and Son show after after all of that. Albeit, obviously, the managers uh, Stellini and uh, Deserby tried to take the limelight away from everyone, but. Uh, been saying it all pod. Um, why Son doesn't start games is beyond me. He's a fantastic player and he can change games. If you take Son and Harry Kane out of that, Spurs, they wouldn't they wouldn't even have a look in that game. Obviously, Son scores a wonder goal and Harry Kane manages to get one of his typical smash and grab goals, which don't get me wrong, a goal's a goal. But you know, stats wise, Brighton won in and Every single stat that you can put there, they they dom they dominated that performance. And unfortunately, I think the the cost of the VAR and all the decisions got in their head. Tip, typical Spurs have got away with it, but until they sort their manager out, I don't I don't I won't I won't ever put money on Spurs because the the players are clueless at the minute, and they need they need a manager in place that knows what he's doing. Kind of like Leicester, they need a manager in place that knows what he's doing. Finally, shunned by a Roman and resurrected at Easter. But Big Frank can perform any miracles on Saturday afternoon as his side succumbed to a 1-0 defeat in a goal-of-the-season contender. Not a lot of improvement for Chelsea, was there, Dan? No. We're going back to all these... Uh, it's the managerial merry-go-round. But, uh, yeah, first of all, I, I don't understand the appointment of Frank Lampard. I think... Uh, Going back to, he was a bloke they sacked because he was poor 27 months ago. He's then gone to Everton and failed. And now he's the man to steady the ship until the end of the season. Bear in mind, they're still in the Champions League. So uh, surely there's someone that they can offer the job of uh, high profile enough. Because he's not going to do nothing for them in the Champions League this week. And yeah, and it just proved against a Wolves side that are bang average as well, you've got a poor clearance from a Koulibaly that then sets up Nunes with the goal. And yeah, he's just another answer to that. He came with a big, uh, uh, not ambition, but uh, a lot of credibility from Napoli, was it? Then, uh, yeah, he's just, he, he hasn't shone for me, Koulibaly. And there's, there's a lot of players at that Chelsea squad that have come with uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of hype and failing in every every position at the moment. You know, it, it just it spells for me a, a bloke that's in charge of that whole club that does not know how to run a football club. Yeah, Adam, you're you're very you're very riled up this evening about managerial appointments. I suppose specifically at Leicester, but also Tottenham. I read it on the Daily Mail on Sunday morning that uh, 
The owner of Chelsea is speaking to James Corden to get some advice uh, on who to appoint <laughs> next. Is that the man that's going to help them find a, a, a Champions League winning manager? You know, is that who, who people need to turn to? What do you reckon? No, clueless. clueless. I'm sure he's a West Ham fan as well. So, like, yeah, I think he is. What, <laughs> like, if you're doing stuff like that, how has he passed his checks to be able to run a run a football club? That that is that's ridiculous. You know, Scott, was uh, it the carpool karaoke that he found Lampard in? <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah, that was probably Lampard's last job being the uh, chauffeur. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a it's a big win for Wolves, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, fantastic goal. That 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 is going to be a goal of the season. The the to hit that first time on the volley at the angle, flew in, yeah. flew. No one's stopping that. Um, Cracker, Cracker. again. I always. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. And, and saying it again, playing a big team at home when you're in a relegation battle, that's what you need to do. That is exactly what you need to do. Beat Swan one 0 get the three points. I know, like I say, it was a it was a screamer. Then nothing ever happened. Nothing else happened in the game. You could say it was a lucky goal, but it went in the net. It got you three points. It's time for the next segment, boys. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll come on to it, but we've been talking about majors in other sports this week. OK, it's time for our Sunday League podcast for majors. Dan, one major sporting shot from the weekend? Uh, I think my uh, sporting shot from the weekend was uh, Roy Keane's reaction to... Uh, the VAR call at Brighton. Uh, yeah, maybe our listeners should go and listen to it as well. But uh, yeah, how many times does he want to call him a baby? I don't know. <laughs> Adam, one major sporting mistake from the weekend. Uh, it has to be the VAR decisions at Brighton. Uh, I think there's three, maybe four. The mis- The mistakes by the ref and by the VAR team, were shocking. Um, Dunk gets pulled back, clear clear of your shirt tug in the back. You're going to go down when something like that happens. I'd have not seen that. Don't get it. Matoma's lovely finish where ball gets floated into him, brings it down, slots into the back of net. That is a fantastic goal. Gets ruled, ruled off the handball. But... There's um fact there's reports out there that at the start of the season there was a picture released at where handball is on a shirt and it goes across your your your, your chest in line with your t-shirt mark and it's where the where the badges are on your sleeve and that's that's similar to where it hit Matoma so if that's gone out to everyone how has then it not gone to the ref then to VAR to say okay yeah it's hit the bit that sanctioned as safe. Um, then you've got, uh, what's the other one you've got? The Hoiberg trip on, yeah, Hoiberg's trip on Matoma. I don't know how it's not seen. and it, It's it's costly because if this if this was the other end of the table and Brighton were fighting for, celebrate, um, for survival and then they get relegated and they lose this revenue, the TV money revenue, there's a lot of money they can miss out on when a club like Spurs don't necessarily need it. 
it, it's just very harsh on Brighton, especially when they're having a, such a good season. You've, you know, going back to our points earlier, it could cost them Champions League places. It's all an apology doesn't do anything. Yeah, we've now got to a place where we've got VAR of VAR, haven't we? Which just seems absolutely mad. Absolutely mad. And uh, yeah. we're not the only ones that talk about it, but it doesn't stop it being being bonkers, I think. Dan, one major sporting story from the weekend. I think we've got to look at the, the league below, I believe. Uh, Burnley promoted the other night. Uh, they beat uh, Burnley 2-1. So, uh, yeah, great job that Vincent Company's done there. I think, uh, what is it, the stat that I've seen that they're the first team ever to win it with still seven games to go. Uh, I think the previous record was six. But, uh, yeah, fabulous job. It's I think it'll, it'll, it's all about next season. And pro- he'll probably want to go and win the league now. But, yeah, great job. Adam, one major sporting point for the week ahead. Um, Champions League's back. Uh, and you could say it's back tomorrow, which is always fun to watch. We've got to now tell the missus that, sorry, I can't spend time with you tomorrow because I'll be watching the Champions League upstairs. She'll be thrilled about that. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I'll be tuning into the Benfica and Man game, but Man City buying, that, that's, that's got a good game written all over to it. And uh, you watch, it'll be the opposite way around now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I suppose let's quickly talk about them. Who, yeah. who are the semi-finalists? I suppose let's go with that. Who's going to be your semi-finalist, Adam? Um, Man City, Napoli, Madrid, Inter. I'm going to say Inter. Inter. What do you reckon, Dad? Any thoughts? Uh, I, I think I was going uh, both Milan clubs to qualify. Uh, yeah, you got to look Real Madrid, then uh, Man City. Yeah, I think I think for me, I'm probably looking at that Man City buying game. To albeit Man City have never won the Champions League, but for me, that's the final of the tournament. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that's obviously, we can't rule out uh, the Real Madrid side, but yeah, I think I think a lot of fans would have been happy if that was the final. Yeah, well, Real Madrid seems to have that. They know when to win the important games, don't they? And I think they beat Barcelona, didn't they, in the week in the cup? So yeah, they've not lost that. Yeah, they've not lost that. Okay, boys, our final section of the pod is our mystery footballer quiz. And after an easier one last week with Marion Pahars, thought I'd get you an easier, even easier one this week. A shaggy haired Spanish centre back who managed to make 60 appearances for Real Madrid. And after going on loan, he preferred, decided he preferred to live in Bolton and make a further 140 appearances in the mid-2000s. Huh? Got any initial thoughts, Dan? I think I may know it, but whatever whatever my answer would be is, is clearly not right in the brain. So, <laughs> to prefer- to prefer Bolton over, what did you say, Real Madrid? I'm like, wow. yeah. Clearly, uh, lost his mind a bit later on in life. <laughs> Have you got any thoughts who it might be, Adam? No, none. Um, everyone oh. I um, 
everyone I can think of will go the opposite way. You know, it's Bolton to Madrid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put it out to our followers. Okay, you boys have got till Thursday to try and think of your answers. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what replies we get. Let's talk about what we've learned from this week then. We've learned that the pod aren't happy about the new appointment at Leicester, let's say. Adam is happy to give his season to get it to anyone that wants it. So feel free to get in touch with the podcast. I'm sure I'm sure he'll give it to you for a nominal fee given he's already paid for it. <laughs> we've learned we've learned that Dan thinks that anyone that goes to Bolton from Madrid is mad in the head. And finally. We've learned that as a bang average podcast, we still do not understand VAR. Boys, uh, it's been good to catch up very quickly. Very quickly, we want to get a bit of a shout out going on the podcast, uh, on the Twitter. Okay, we ran a poll in the week. Adam, you'll be glad to know that Liverpool fans would prefer Man City to win the league than Arsenal. And that's what you thought. So, you know, you're in touch with our listeners. But for everybody that's listening, taking the time to listen, at TSL Podcast 4, share the podcast, get involved in the polls, we'll get more of them going, send us some love, get your answers in on the quiz, and boys, I'll catch up with you soon. Yep, cheers, Scott. Take care. See you, Dan. Take care.